Welcome to another episode of the Tactics Meeting. I'm your host, Dan Smiley. Here on the program, we talk to subject matter experts about response tactics and technology. And I'm excited today to have with us Cheryl Surface, who's a renowned planning section chief who I'm always excited to work with. And she has agreed to help us with a series of episodes taking us on a journey around the planning P. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, happy to be here. We've been trying to get this together for a while. I'm excited to embark upon it. Before we start talking about today's topic, which is the ICS 201 Incident Briefing Package and the Incident Briefing, uh, Initial Incident Briefing Meeting itself, I'd like to ask you how you came to be part of the oil spill response community. How did you get into emergency management? Gosh, we've all got a story, don't we? I've spent my entire career in emergency uh, management, emergency response. Uh, I was calculating it up uh, this morning. It's uh, uh, about 45 years now. Um, I spent 25 years in the Wildland Fire Service, um, retired from Alaska State Forestry. And just so happened on my birthday, March 24th, 1989, I was skiing at Alaska. Uh, vessel hit a rock in Prince William Sound, um, the Exxon Valdez. I've heard of that. And, and uh, our Alaska Type 1 fire team uh, responded um, to the Exxon Valdez managing the sewer side of the response. So our Alaska team went in and um, set up NIMS ICS on the sewer side and, and managed the response um, for that. So a couple of my colleagues um, decided that they would um, start a business after OPA 90 was in place. Um, and they started Incident Management Associates doing training, drills, exercises, and response pretty much nationwide. And it's funny now, later on in my career, you know, folks that I did training for, you know, on the West Coast or the East Coast or wherever, you know, um, we're still running into each other, you know, 40 some years later, here we are um, working it. But um, I've been the planning section chief um, on numerous incidents, um, you know, nationally and internationally, Costco uh, Busan, Deepwater Horizon. And most recently, I've been the planning section chief on the Golden Ray um, cargo carrier uh, incident in St. Simon's Sound, Georgia. So, um, just uh, call it the school of hard knocks box, but uh, a lot of a lot of uh, interesting responses, a lot of wonderful drills and training and exercises. Well, that's great. I'm excited to have you. Is that the same company that you started? Is that the company that you continue to work under today, or you fly your own flag? Yeah, I'm flying my own flag. I started my own business um, in the mid '90s, um, and um, have been. Um, you know, doing independent contracting for, for numerous, numerous companies um, and worked for an OSRO in Alaska, helping them set up Alaska Shido, helping them set up their OSRO early on in, in the 90s as well. All right. And you're going to help me with some training in Alaska coming up at the end of the month and exactly. be, the, be the planning section chief for a drill I'm participating in at the end of April. So we'll see each other a lot. Keeps me busy. I'm my friends always say, well, I thought you were retired. And I'm like, I'm semi-retired, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the beautiful, right? You you get to pick and choose the projects you want to do and the clients that you want to work with. That's what retired means to me. 
wonderful colleagues uh, worldwide. So today we're talking about the ICS 201 incident briefing. And I wanted to start off by asking you to give your own definition of what the 201 document is. What What is the purpose of the ICS 201 incident briefing package? So the ICS 201 is a document that captures the initial response information. So that document, well, Capturing the information is also utilized during the transfer of command or as a tool to transfer command from the initial incident commander into the incoming unified command. Um, the 201 document, though, provides that basic information regarding your initial objectives, the current incident situation, and resources allocated to the incident itself. Now that 201 document can be the only tool that's used over the course of the incident. It may be the only document that captures information for the response. Most importantly, the ICS 201 functions as the incident action plan for the initial response. It remains in force and continues to be updated until the response ends or the planning section generates an incident action plan. So that 201 document is very, very important um, in the fact that when I've been on incidents um, for any length of time and um, it goes to litigation, that 201 capturing all those initial things that you did to respond to the event becomes a very important tool. Um, did you do enough? Um, what did you do? What was occurring out in the field? How many resources did you allocate? What did your organization look like? And then your situational summary of actions that you took. Did you make all the original notifications? You know, um, did you have enough responders coming in? You know, um, did you look at all the potential of this particular event and were you proactive in mitigating the response? Um, so it's a very, very important document and a very important tool, um, not only long-term, but in the initial stages of your response. So we get to a point where we start to get additional people joining the response. and. I have often referred to these smaller briefings as people come in where I've used the 201, asked the tool to bring responders up to speed. And I've called it a 201 briefing, but that's not really correct, is it? It's not, um, when does the 201 briefing on the planning cycle actually take place? So there's only one 201 briefing. And the 201 briefing happens if you're transferring command between the initial IC and an incoming unified command. So if you have a response and you're only going, you're never gonna go through the entire planning process, you're never going to produce an incident action plan, you can utilize an ICS 201 for 
seven days, 10 days, 24 hours, whatever you determine, if your incident is small enough in nature that you're not gonna be bringing in a whole team, ICS team of individuals to quote unquote, assist you with the response or take over from the initial um, incident commander, then there really isn't a 201 briefing. The 201 briefing is meant as the tool to transfer command. If you're operating on the 201 for any length of time, you may have a situational briefing every morning and a situational briefing every evening, which basically updates the responders on what their actions are gonna be for the next you know, day. And then conversely in the evening, what occurred and if there's a night shift, what the night shift's gonna be doing for the day. So you'll give a situational update to everybody. Um, but that 201 briefing is really utilized for the transfer command. Would you, when conducting those situational briefings, use the 201 meeting meeting agenda or would you do something else? Um, I typically, um, you can use the meeting agenda. Um, I typically look at a situational briefing as you want and it's operationally um, focused. So in your situational update, it's operationally focused. So it's how many resources you have, what your personnel look like, and who's in charge of what, and what are those people intending to do for that next shift. So just as you do an operational briefing in the ICS planning P uh, at the change of shift, there's an operational briefing. I would recommend following that agenda for a situational update. Follow an operational briefing for a situational update. Um, and then that will, if you follow that agenda, it will take you through what you need to do when you're situationally briefing. What happens to the 201 after you've conducted the official ICS 201 briefing and, and conducted that change of command? So now I'm moving into the planning cycle with the intent of developing an IEP for the next operational period. So until that incident action plan is completed for the next operational period, you are still working under the ICS 201. So one of the first things that happens as you're moving into the planning process is the planning section chief works with the unified command and says, is this 201 strong enough to carry us throughout the course of the response until the new IAP is in place? Are the objectives strong enough? Is there anything we need to add, any additional information we need to give out to the responders in order to continue utilizing this ICS 201? So it's a living, breathing document until the production and the implementation of the first IAP. So you continue to update the summary of current actions. You continue to update the resources. Um, you can utilize that 201 document as your other entities are coming into place. So your resource unit leader will take over that, will utilize that resource summary as their first document of what resources were actually responding initially. 
And then they'll continue to update as the day goes through until that IAP is produced. Um, your situation unit leader will utilize the map in, from your initial 201 document in order to start building the common operating picture or a map of the entire incident. So that 201 is, is a living, breathing document until that initial IAP is produced. That's often not a practice that we continue on with in drills, is it? Is that a, is that a miss when we're doing tabletop exercises? Because in my experience, we do the 201 briefing and then we really, other than referring back to it to see what happened when and what resources are here and kind of looking at it as a historical record as I begin to get my ducks in a row going into the exercise. I don't often see, well, I don't know if I've ever seen, people continue to update the summary of current actions. They just go right in and start producing a 202, you know, objectives form or, or working towards the IP. What are your thoughts there? Um, I think it's a, a factor of the compressed time frame in an exercise or a drill. Is you really, the idea behind an exercise or, or a drill is to get the participants to have a bit of experience going around the entire planning process. My suggestion to a lot of clients is separately from a worst case exercise, plan an initial response exercise. So all you're focused on is the production of that ICS-201, what happens in the initial response, and then how to implement that 201 document and how to continue use, utilizing that 201 document for the course of your event. So fortunately, probably 99% of all responses remain at that 201 level. So every response should have a 201 written for it for two reasons. That 201 is your incident action plan and it captures all the information. It's a critical document to have on file that captures all the information about that response. Whether it's a tiny little response or a large response, it's built, that 201 document is built for five gallons or five million gallons, you know, that 201. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be robust if it's a five gallon one, but get in the habit of completing that 201 document for every response. And then it becomes easier, you know, to, to complete it should you have a larger event. Um, it's, it's a critical document um, on all, all um, hazardous material responses. It really is, you know. All of the on-call incident commanders that I manage for the Washington State Maritime Cooperative have paper copies, but I've written a, an online 201 application that they log into the, the way this works. And it's worked out pretty well for me is that the watchstander who takes the initial call starts the 201, creates a new event. We've also included in it their, their um, you know, initial uh, contact summary form separate from the rest of the 201. And then once they contact the on-call incident commander, that person 
logs in. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your tablet. You can do it on your computer. You can do it wherever. And now you can start recording your summary of current actions. And what's really nice about that is that it can be distributed and collaborative. So like if the IC calls me and I say, okay, well, I'll make the call to the Coast Guard IMD. Um, I'll, I'll uh, take over talking to the OSRO. You talk to the state. And then uh, we're recording our actions in the same place. So we're creating a 201 that is comprehensive rather than trying to go back and create it later uh, in the process. So that kind of process has worked well for me. But of course, it requires power and an internet connection. So. Right. The other thing, Dan, is if you don't have the ability to have collaborative um, collaboration on your 201 document, is it okay to take everybody's notes that they've written on, you know, in their car or vehicle or at home as they come together and assign one person to be the, the one that now combines those notes into your 201 document? That's okay if you don't have the ability to do um, collaboration on the fly. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's in order, if it's in a timestamp order, as long as the information gets on that 201 document, that's the important thing. So a lot of people get hung up on, oh my gosh, I, that happened earlier than the thing I just stuck on there. Oh my God, I've got to do it. Just make sure you get that information captured. Um, that's the most important thing. It, you can spiff it up later or whatever, or never spiff it up later, but just make sure you capture initial response um, actions on that document. And what did your organization look like? I mean, who was responding initially? And it may be uh, people filling several of the same boxes. You may have, you know, an initial response incident commander. You may have somebody doing operations, but you're probably not going to have somebody in the finance or the logistics or, or the planning boxes. You know, it's going to be operational heavy. But the one thing is you want to make sure that you've got safety covered in there. So when you're putting together, you know, your organization, who's managing safety? You know, is it the initial um, incident commander? Is it operations? Maybe, you know, they're double hatting as the safety officer and the operations quote unquote section chief at that time, you know, but um, capture your organization, capture everything from the very beginning um, off the little scribbled notes that people are, are writing down, you know, put it in your summary of current actions. Because when I sat, you know, and be on the stand and people are asking me questions, I always go, as the 201 document says, because it's two or three or four years later, and I honestly don't remember. So I can only refer to that document. And it's very specific, you know, if a vessel hits an object, you know, when was the call made? Who made the call? Where did it go to? Uh, what was your initial actions? Who responded to it? You know, what did you respond with? What did your organization look like? What time of the day was it? And those are questions you're, you're asking you. And you can only go to that 201 document, which is the document of record for that initial response. So that's how important it is. So what happens to the 201 
after the meeting is over, right? We got all these pieces that kind of get distributed, right? We're no longer maintaining the 201, but but the the map go. We still do a map, right? We still do an org chart. What happens to those pieces? Who takes over? So the 201, like I said, until the incident action plan, the first IAP is produced, it's still a living and breathing document. There still can be additions made to it, particularly the summary of current actions. But when you piece out the 201, the first page piece has the map on it. So the map then gets transferred to the situation unit leader GIS component of the response, which now produces the common operating picture, you know, which becomes the map of the incident. The beauty of the map is if you are in an incident command post, you do not have the ability to visually see what's happening in the field. And so that map is really important on identifying what's out in the field for folks that can't get a visual on it. Um, so um, the common operating picture is a, a big piece of, of the picture. Secondarily, uh, the resources. So the resource list on that um, 201 document now becomes integral into starting to get a handle on the number of resources, quantity of resources, type of resources that you have on your response. So the resource unit leader under the planning section will then take those resources that are on the 201 and begin to organize um, them into divisions, groups, branches, all of that occurs um, working with operations. And then what resources are in each of those different sections and areas. Um, you have your your objectives, your initial objectives, the unified command may have looked at that 201 and said, you know what, we need some an additional objective that'll get us through to the incident action plan takes place. I wanna add an objective to that 201 document. And then those initial objectives will be utilized by the unified command when they're developing objectives for the next operational period. Um, and many of them will remain in place. Um, some of them may um, be off the table now because they were an initial response objective rather than a continuing ob objective. And then, um, of course, your safety. Um, you know, um, your safety officer will look at that 201 document um, and utilize that as they begin to do their initial um, site safety assessments, um, to do their, their safety plan, um, and um, that gets generated, you know, utilized by the safety officer as well. And then, um, of course, your, um, your operations section will be utilizing that 201 um, to have the initial objectives. They're developing tactics and strategies to meet those objectives that were set initially over the course of the day. And they'll be, be utilizing that resource list um, to, to understand if they need to order additional resources, do they have enough? What's the time frames of the resources coming into them? Um, how are they going to utilize those? How are they going to start dividing up in, um, to divisions and groups and branches? You know, so that's a powerful tool um, to utilize um, moving forward. What about the summary of current actions? Is there a, a way of continuing that kind of documentation as we go into the planning cycle? I like to, as the planning section chief, 
Um, and I'd like to do this during um, exercises as well, staff dependent, so uh, responder dependent. But I like to assign um, who I call uh, an op planning ops position. So that planning ops position um, is what they do is they're embedded in the operations section. And initially, I like that planning ops person to keep track of that summary of current actions, which are almost always operational um, as you move forward. I mean, initially, your summary of current actions will might have, you know, notifications completed, you know, those type of items, you know, um, MSDS sheet, you know, identified and distributed. It may have, you know, different things like that in a summary of current actions. But as you're continuing till that next IAP, I like to assign that planning ops person to continue the summary of current actions until we get through the planning process. Um, so that they become the tool, they're kind of the communicator between ops and planning, you know, um, and then they help the situation unit leader with being able to keep a handle on all the situations that are happening. So there's a link between the situation unit leader and the operations section. Once you've developed your first incident action plan and have it uh, approved, there's no longer an official summary of current actions document that's part of NIMS ICS. Is it important to continue to keep a record of high level decisions that are made throughout the response? In my experience, it is. And we call it a historical record. So oftentimes in it's not official ICS, but on responses of some length of time, I mean, even a response of, you know, a couple weeks or three weeks, it's nice to keep a historical record of um, what I refer to as, um, it's the important things that may have happened, um, not necessarily down to the weeds, but any, historically important things that may have occurred, it's nice to keep a record of that. For instance, on the Golden Ray, um, it was a cargo carrier that um, turned on its side with uh, 40, approximately 4,200 brand new vehicles on board. Um, just as over the course of the response, there was a fire, there was another fire, there was releases of product um, into the environment. Um, environmental protection barriers were built up. There was um, some impact to some wildlife. Those are the kind of items that you want to keep in your historical record, particularly if there was a release of additional product, if there was any kind of subsequent fire, if there was any kind of an injury or anything like that. It's nice to have one historical document that tracks all of that um, so that you don't have to wade through incident action plans or wade through people's 214 documents or unit logs or wade through any of that to find those touch points. It's nice to have that infrastructure in place. And just assign your documentation unit leader um, with keeping a historical record. Perfect. So the meeting agenda for the 201 briefing says that it, the meeting 
or briefing can be led by either the incident commander or the planning section chief. I've seen it done both ways. What's your preference? I prefer the planning section chief to lead that. Um, there's an agenda to follow. And if you are the presenter, which the initial incident commander is the presenter of the 201 document, it's hard to be a brief presenter and cover all the agenda items. It's nice to have a facilitator who can go through each item and then you can talk to it um, rather than trying to read the agenda at the same time as you're trying to present. So it's nice to have somebody facilitate. Then if you skip or miss something or um, you, you, they need more information or maybe you're giving too much, you're getting down into the weeds, the planning section chief can kind of gently facilitate you onto the next item or ask a question, a leading question that will bring you into an answer that um, the Unified Command will want to have. Do you have any uh, best practices that you'd like to share for conducting this briefing? I mean, I often see people struggle to give the initial uh, briefing. They try to read the 201 word for word, ver verbatim. The briefing takes an hour and a half. Right. What do you think some of the best practices for doing this meeting are? So number one is if you ICS 201 briefing. So in the title is the word brief. So as with all things, you want to be as brief as possible, but convey the information. Um, if I were the initial incident commander, I script a lot of things. So I would write down just bullet items um, following the agenda to give my briefing. For instance, the agenda, current situation, be brief, what happened? A vessel hit an, an object, uh, two vessels collided, there was an unknown release, whatever it is, when it happened, what happened, who was involved, just the current situation. And then if you've established facilities, you know, it will ask you facilities. We have, we have a temporary incident command post. We've got a staging area at MSRC or wherever it may be. Um, and then what are our initial objectives? You know, just state the four. And then what are you currently doing and what are you planning to do? Currently, we have these vessels responding. We have additional resources spooling in. Um, we've got an on-water recovery branch. You know, we've got um, uh, we've set up a staging area here. Whatever you've got, just briefly tell them what you're doing, and then you can say, "Our resources incoming. We have a total of you know total, not naming each vessel and when its expectation is going to be there." So far, we, we have a total of 10, you know, SRVs coming in, OSRVs coming in. They should all be here by 1800 tonight, you know, just totalities. Um, so, additionally, so we anticipate, yeah. you know, we, we have 30,000 feet of boom in route and estimated 40,000 barrels of storage should arrive by tomorrow, that kind of thing. Exactly. You want to give, just as when you're giving a situational briefing, you want to do totalities. So, because the whole idea behind the operational response is, are you doing enough and do you have enough? 
So do you have enough equipment responding to recover the worst case for this discharge? And do you have enough storage for this recovered product? You know, it's always, do you have enough? Those are the questions. So totalities make that answer a little bit easier to tease out. Gotcha. Do you have any final thoughts before we close out this session of the tactics meeting? Yeah, just one quick one. So if you are the incoming um, Unified Command or the incoming Responsible Party Incident Commander, when you take the handoff, so the handoff between the initial UC and the incoming Unified Command needs to be a formal handoff. I actually use um, the 213 general message form and I document that there was a formal transfer of command between the initial response and the unified command. So I document transfer of command from initial um, incident commander to unified command members. And I list out who the responsible party is, FOSC, SOSC, if there's tribal, if there's local, I list them all out, occurred at this date at this time. That becomes part of the history, part of the record. And then if you are the incoming um, responsible party incident commander, I use what I call kind of a bang list of items. And I stand up, take charge, introduce your staff, including the unified command, your commanding general staff, introduce them. And as you introduce them, give them direction on what you want them to accomplish moving forward. Um, you're not gonna be producing an incident action plan right away, particularly in a response, maybe in an exercise because of contest compressed timeframe. It's like bell rings, okay, go. Now we're gonna go through the planning cycle. But in a real response, there's a lot of time between where you're still working off of that 201 document before you get into the planning process. So give your staff some formal direction on what, what you want them to accomplish over the course of the day. Um, well, yeah. So I've got my bang list and I've, I've, uh, you know, I've taken charge. I've offered my relief. Reminds me of uh, taking over the watch on the ship, right? I, I offer you my relief. I stand relieved, right? It's very formal. And then uh, I, I'm giving out some directions. Let, well, let's use the, the PIO as an example. I'll tell the PIO something like, you know, I want to uh, uh, establish a joint information center, uh, uh, rapidly develop a social media plan. Do I then hand my bang list to you as the planning section chief so you kind of have that record? Are you taking notes of the things that I've, I've said? Should we have collaborated a few minutes before the before the uh, 201 briefing so you knew what I was about to say? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So the uh, incoming Unified Command Responsible Party Incident Commander and the planning section chief need to collaborate before the 201 briefing. And their collaboration is to establish the new organization coming in. And yes, the, the planning section chief will take that bang list and then they will develop the open action tracker based on those items that have been uh, requ requested from the unified command of staff. Um, additionally, once they'll collaborate too on next steps, you know, when do we, what kind of, meeting schedule do we want? What kind of you know, operational periods are we gonna talk about? 
so that he, in an exercise, because of the compressed time frame, they'll, the planning section chief will usually come with a draft, you know, meeting schedule to talk to them about. We'll come with draft things for them to look at. But the, the responsible party incident commander may say, you know, I don't want to have, uh, I don't want to start the planning process until 24 hours later. They want to operate off of that 201 for the next 24 hours because they feel like they can keep managing the response uh, with that 201 for the next 12 or 24 hours. And they just want to get clarity on what's going on before they go into the planning process. So it just depends on um, the experience of the team, um, personalities of the team, the response itself, you know, is it significant? Is it, you know, uh, complex? You know, there's a lot of things that go into making those decisions. So um, the planning section chief works at the direction of the unified command and make sure that the unified command has all the information that they need uh, to make decisions moving forward. So it's a very team effort um, between the two. Well, great. Well, Cheryl Service, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. If they, people want to get a hold of you, I said, you've already got your phone number in the background. You can call Cheryl at 775-721-3663. Do you have an email address you'd like to share? I do. My email is incidentrc at gmail.com. Perfect. Incidentrc at gmail.com. Cheryl Surface, Planning Section Chief. Thanks for coming on the show. Ken, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.